Hello everyone, uh, welcome back to the Where Was I podcast, we're probably on episode 7 or something like that. Uh, it's uh, evening time, it's the 28th of January, which consequently means we've been locked in the house now for nearly a fucking year. Uh, there's allegedly somebody in this house is eating the cat, I can neither confirm nor deny, but, but hey, such is the way of it. So, what's going on with you, Goose? Ah, oh, it's been a bit of a tempestuous couple of weeks, but uh, come out the other side of it intact, so that's good. Good uh, news, mate, good news. Why, what's been going on, man? Obviously, me, uh, me, me mum came down with the Rona and uh, she had to go to hospital. It was a little bit tough oh. and go for a while there. But fortunately, she's home now and well, so she's uh, very, very lucky. Um yeah, she 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 just really re-emphasised the whole necessity for people to be doing the right shit, keeping the distance and wearing masks and crap like that. So, uh, while she was in, there was two ladies on her ward that unfortunately didn't make it, and then there was a third that was on her way out when she left the hospital. So, yeah, great times, but... Well, you, do, you don't want to be seeing that, do you, when you're sat in your hospital bed fretting anyway? No, not at all. Oh, but yeah, look. Luckily, you know she, she's she's doing well, and uh, it seems to have given her a little bit of a new lease of life, which is is good, you know. So, you know, the kind that tries to see the silver linings and everything. Yeah, yeah. No, that's quality, mate. But I mean, like, your mum is a vigorous woman, so you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not surprised. I mean, let's be honest, like to put up with Mark for all these years, <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> she's got to have her head screwed on and she's got to be made out of stern stuff. So yeah, um, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just delighted she's feeling better, mate. Yeah, that's it. And uh, pre-Mark days, uh, it was putting up with mine and me, but my sister's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, well, that, let's be honest, that's not changed, has it, mate? Come on. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How's, uh, how are things your end? Yeah, not too bad, mate. To be honest, I uh, I think last time we spoke, I just had a COVID test answer. Yeah, and uh, and and admittedly, I, I had been feeling like a well-used wank rag at the time. So I thought, fuck, okay, I might have I might have a dose of it here. To be honest, but I had a test done, came back as negative. So I can only assume that I was in fact just suffering from being a bit of a fanny. So I think it's a, that's it, though, isn't it? I think. Um... No, not not that you're a fanny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Probably too early, let's be honest. <laughs> I think it is. Um, it's dead easy to forget that. Obviously, like you know, this is going round and it's really unpleasant. But mm-hmm. just because this is sort of like a, a prevalent thing in society at the moment, it doesn't mean that every other illness, bug, and whatever is sort of taken holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the missus is certainly getting ill a lot less. Um, yeah, I bet. But. Yeah, every time she catches like a, a slight sniffle or she sneezes or anything like that, she's convinced she's got the broner. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like no, it's it, it's not that. <laughs> just get the fear. Just get a bit of the fear, don't you? And like you say, like yeah. because this disease is well, the virus is in everybody's mind. You know, it's like oh, I've got a bit of a sore leg, or I might have might have a leg based rona. Yeah. And stuff like that. So, but yeah, it was random because I, obviously I think I had four people that I'd been in the same room as all get come down with that, you know, get test positive for the for the coronavirus. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I must have it. You know what I mean? It seems simple, doesn't it? You know, you know, A plus B equals C. But then it come back negative. I was like, that's fucking weird. It is and then, crazy. It, it's absolutely mental. Um, and it, it just goes to show that like, you, you just you never fucking know because again, my mum yeah. never leaves the fucking house at the moment. 
uh, and she hasn't done for ages. And then Mark literally goes to work and he's a fucking driver. So yeah. he's, he's not in contact with anybody. So mm-hmm. the only sort of real port call for, for collecting it, as it were, m- must have been like on a, a visit to a shop. So, you know, go, going and buying your fucking groceries uh, and it nearly puts her in a situation where it's toes up. It's, it's some frightening yeah. shit. But I think you might be missing a little bit there, though, to be honest. It's well known that drivers go around killing prostitutes, so <laughs> I can only assume that he does come into contact with some. <laughs> <laughs> Albeit they're not all breathing on him. He's Scouse, he's not from Yorkshire. <laughs> Fair play to him. Fair play to him. Yeah, yeah, been, uh... Grumping instead. He's been what, sorry? Urban scrumping instead. Oh, bit, wonderful. Bit car stereo nicking. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That does sound like him. That does, to be fair, yeah. But yeah, it's been a, been a bit of a strange time. Otherwise, there's not really much been else been going on, has there? Like, as we've all been confined to the house, broadly speaking, for the last, uh, since the start of the year. So. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. I've, I've uh, been trying to expand my skill set a little bit. I think the last time we spoke on here, uh, I might have mentioned about um, a forge press I was planning on building mm-hmm. out of a log splitter. Um, so I've made it, fucked it, um, remade it with improvements again. I've just finished <laughs> that today. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's good. So, so that moves, moves steel really well. Um, put seven tons of force. So it sort of opens up some doors for the Damascus stuff that I want to be doing. So that that's cool. Uh, that cool. I've been uh, tinkering a lot with... Um, Wax carvings as well, because I want to do mm-hmm. some uh, bronze casting, so I can make uh, some of the sword fittings. I think I've, I've probably talked about that a little bit before. It's been one of those things sort of floating around in the periphery, um, but now yeah. I've got the fucking time. It's like, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I know you've been thinking about it for a while, but with, with the press then, so obviously that's for working the steel, so you can work it more effectively because, you know, using a mechanical aid sort of thing. Yeah. So what's what what stage of the process do you use that with then? Uh, basically, I, I set my welds with that and then draw out um, the bars because the, 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 the problem of trying to sort of forge... Uh, Damascus by hand is absolutely mm. do- doable. You know, I've, I've done it quite a few times myself, all by hand, uh, but mm-hmm. really, really fucking labour intensive, and it's um, it really takes its toll on you. Like I ended up with basically holes in my hands. I've, I've been sort of having to go at it that hard and long. Um, you know, you, you sort of stack up however many alternating layers of steel you want. Have to heat it until it's you know, sort of lemon yellow to white hot and then mm-hmm. um, tap it all together. And then that's quite a sizable chunk. I mean, just trying to move, uh, say, inch thick section of bar stock, so an inch by an inch, it takes a, a while to move under the hammer. But sometimes these billets are, you know, twice that sort of size. And then gotcha. pouring that out into a long, thin bar cutting it and stacking it on itself again and then repeating that process a number of times to get your lay account up. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, the last two days, that uh, the, the last two uh, Damascus knives that I made, um, it, it took me 15 days to make the knives, just like to make the steel and, and, and everything. So, Fucking hell, so hammering that is. Yeah. So with this press the other day, I managed to stack uh, 20 layers of steel uh, which came to you know each each layer is three mil thick, so you extract mm-hmm. that out. You, it, it's a fucking thick piece of steel. Yeah, big time. 
And again, just being able to squish it in that press, it gives it a, a really even pressure over that area as well. So you know that everything fuses together really nicely. Mm-hmm. And, and again, each squish is applying seven tons of force. So you, you're drawing it out way more than it could probably do by hand. It moves it so much quicker. Um, and it means you're having to do it in less heats as well, which is really important. Because each time you heat the steel to past critical, you're potentially losing a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of the carbon content. But gotcha. you're also, um, you get like an oxidized layer form on the steel, um, mm-hmm. which you call forge scale. And um, it's, it's only thin, you know, like probably a few microns thick, but you repeat this process and it's over the entire surface area of the billet. So you mm-hmm. are actually losing steel each time you, you do a heat. And the bigger the bar, the more steel you're losing. It also mm-hmm. to, the more times you have to heat it to work it. So exponentially, this steel loss sort of grows. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it it just makes uh, doing much larger projects in Damascus much more achievable. So yeah, and anything to make it easier. And like you say, if it was taking you 15 days to do a knife, it don't make it very um, sustainable as a you know as something where you might want to make a few quid, does it? You know. No, absolutely. It's uh, it, it it just becomes ridiculous. It becomes prohibitively expensive. It's yeah. So no, the the press is just making it all a little bit more accessible, which is great. But it's, it sort of sent me on a bit of a fucking rabbit hole as well. Like I've been um, you know, when you can't find fuck all on telly, and again, yeah. just sat there on the iPad watching various bits and pieces with the headphones on. So I put whatever the fuck I want on the TV, and there's nothing. So I started watching YouTube on the telly. It's um, a bold move. It's a bold move. Oh, yeah. Well, there's some great shit on there. Um, I've just started following this, this group called Arctic Fire, not the band. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, I was just thinking then. I was like, hang on. <laughs> but they're, um, no, they're like this, this group of really, really, really skilled uh, artisans. And um, they, they do these hammerings every couple of years. Um, and they basically do a, a project over a four-day period and normally they, they stream them live but then obviously they upload it all to, to youtube so you can watch it at your leisure um, mm-hmm. but they've got like there'll be certain craftsmen doing all of the uh the wax carving to do the brass fittings on the the, the blade that they're working on and then they've got two other guys that are doing um they, they did like bloomery steel so they actually created their own steel um and then refine that and then they hand that off to somebody else. He then draws it out and fashions the blade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got a couple of other guys making like the scabbard and the fittings for that. And then someone else fitting up all the handle material and someone else doing all of like the fine detailed jewelry work. And it's just this amazing project. And um just got stuck into one they're doing. And they're basically uh, doing this thing called Grendel's Horde, which is... Um, obviously from the Beowulf poem. Um, yeah, yeah. And they, they basically imagined that if somebody stumbled across, if it was a factual thing and somebody stumbled across the horde that Grendel had, and there'd be this sword of a giant and then all this like sort of jewellery and other bits in this like little weapons cache. And uh, they, they've sort of generated this whole narrative around it, which is complete fiction. But yeah, yeah. It, it's really absorbing. It's... Uh, and I... I Mate, I've pissed hours away. <laughs> just sat like, oh. and for ten minutes, uh, I almost believed in trolls. It was fucking. <laughs> <great>. <laughs> so, 
So these guys that are making the hoard this time around, then what what sort of period of times is filmed over? Because I assume it's like a, a fairly lengthy project if they're making all different bits and bobs to go in the hoard. Yeah, uh, I, I honestly don't. Know. There's got to have been a, a ridiculous amount of time given to it. Um, I say that the, the, the first one that they did, uh, it was called Artifacts of the Present. Um, which mm-hmm. really interesting concept, and they they did that over four days. So they'd obviously like all of the planning and the pre production work that goes into it, but yeah, sure, like a four day period to actually execute the project. And they made this short sword, and when they were doing the live streaming over, over the four days, they put up little clues and cryptic things on the screen, and then um, the idea was as it would give you a location somewhere in the world and you could actually go and find this artifact it had been hidden there so it's no a really interesting concept and a really really cool way of engaging the audience um i think that was in 2013 but this latest one this grendel one it was actually this was all filmed started in 2016 um, oh, shit. but because it's as opposed to it just being like a singular piece yeah um, you know i think there's like these big old ornate brooches there's a, a dagger i think there's um the sword of beowulfs that failed and then there's the sword of the giant that you used to slay grendel or mm-hmm. all these sorts of things so there's, there's a huge amount in it i mean what the one of the sort of the giant sword they made the sword itself is six foot tall um Jesus. it's an inch thick i think it it it's ridiculously heavy um i think the brass fittings on it weigh about uh, 60 pounds jesus uh, christ <laughs> is this all hand forged then as well uh yes um and so so this is this is why the project itself is so interesting because it, um they so the the guy who uh was was forging out the blade the, the lead guy on that's a guy called owen bush now he's based in the uk but the guy who was making and casting the bronze fittings for the the piece lives in canada Right, so they're literally over online and through phone calls and emails and whatnot, sending over schematics to each other of what the design process is going to be like, what what the end product's going to be. So mm-hmm. this guy's like sculpting um, the wax release to make these bronze things out of for a sword that doesn't even exist yet, and even when it does, wow. it's on the opposite side of the planet. But then he will meet up and it all fits together. Yeah, some precise work that is. Yeah, it's it's, it's incredible. Um, but yeah, the guy making the, the sword, this Owen Bush, uh, he had to make like um like this whole winch system, like you'd use for getting an engine block out of a car, and mm-hmm. that, that was for transporting the billet from the forge to the anvil because it's just so big. Fucking hell! Yeah, physically couldn't lift it. Wow, that's ridiculous. But yeah, I, I seriously recommend checking it out. It's. Uh, it's a bit lose yourself for a few hours at least anyway no that's 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 a great that sounds like a great program because I, I just love the fact that that like, proper crafts people have gone fancy doing this and like yeah fuck it you know we've got a we've got a couple of years to spend like i just just like a challenge let's give it a go yeah and uh, that's solid i think the uh the biggest selling point of it is uh, i think like the project lead one of the, the main guys on it is, is a, a a fellow called uh peter johnson mm-hmm. um He's an absolutely insane swordsmith. Like, but he, he, each of his pieces is like a, it's a it's a piece of art. It's it's a piece of contemporary art. It, like you just see him doing things that you've never seen anyone ever do with a mm-hmm. sword before. It's, it's just insane. Uh, oh, wow! I'll, I'll send you a link to some of his stuff shortly. Uh, yeah, nice one. 
if, if I remember, I'll put it in the show notes as well. But there's yeah, a there's yeah. a 95% chance I forget. <laughs> um, in fact, I sent a link for it to my sister the other day, so I can literally copy that link. Um, Bung it over. Yeah. But you know you're on about like doing um, sacrificial wax casting and such. Yeah. Like, I saw something earlier today that, that made me think of you actually, like because you know I used to do a bit, little bit of 3D printing of stuff. Um, yeah. With with 3D printing, they use like a, a fused, uh, fucking I can't remember, F, FDM or something it is. But in essence, you melt a material yeah. and you lay it down in layers like a third of a mil or thereabouts thick, and you, you build up the layers until you reach the desired height. And then you've got your three dimensional whatever you've designed sort of thing. Well, somebody's brought out a product that's a bit like wax. It's got 125, I think it melts at 125 degrees. So it's just about right for using in a 3D printer. But um, obviously, you know, if you get it hot enough with some liquid brass for that matter, like it'll, um, it'll, it'll just, you know, just send it out of the mold. So I thought, fucking hell, that'd be all right for you if you wanted to do a 3D, uh, try again, a high-tech-ish version of what you plan to do with your pommels and such. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it's interesting you should say that, because, again, my, my stepdad, you know what he's like with his... Um, Loves his tech. ...and gadgets. Uh, a couple of years ago, we all basically chipped in and got him this build-your-own 3D printer. Nice. Uh, so he, he's gone on that. And, he, you know, he's, he's, he's done some stuff. I've got um, a, a really amazing uh, skull, like a life-size skull that he printed. Uh, and the filament's got this bronze colour to it, so it looks fantastic. Uh, I've got that in the shop um, currently. Uh, not that anyone can fucking see it because no one's coming. But, <laughs> but oh, yeah, <laughs> fucking shop, shops. Do you remember shops? <laughs> it was like a while ago. <laughs> Takeaways and home. That's what I remember. Yeah, that's um, all there is now. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, it, I had heard about this this wax type of uh, filament for it, and it is it, it is something that I would genuinely be interested in, um, sort of like, exploring and seeing what potential there is with that. I mean, at oh, the yeah. moment, I've been using this stuff called filer wax, and it's fucking rock hard. Like you need <laughs> power tools yeah. to carve it. It's fucking crazy. Like other than making scratches and fine details, and I'm like, it's got to be a better way. So I had this brain fart, and I bought a kilo of uh, that fucking soy wax, like the, the granules that you can melt down. Now, oh yeah, yeah. It, like it gets warm at like body temperature, basically. So you can almost sculpt it with your hands. So mm-hmm. what I've been doing is um, trying to make a basic form, which is, I'd say. 70 to 80 percent of the way like that there for, for mm-hmm. one and then i've made a silicon mold of that right and then i've poured this file wax shit in there but it turns out this file wax its melting point is 115 degrees celsius so That's i'm loaded in a fucking empty can in a pan of hot water like why the fuck is this not melting <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> 115 degrees i was like shit the bed so, uh, yeah, I've, I've fucking destroyed a saucepan trying to melt that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you've got it in a bain-marie, like, obviously that, that's never going to get above 100 yeah. degrees. You've got no chance, have you? Yeah, so, like I say, I've absolutely bollocks to saucepan trying to melt <laughs> But it's okay. We've just said, ah, that's my workshop pan now, because I need a <laughs> workshop. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, the, the basic shape of what I need is there now. 
So, mm-hmm. and, and I've just pulled those out of a mold just before I came on here and, and, and that's worked. So in principle, what I'm doing is great. And then my, my plan is, is to sort of sculpt it further. And then when it's almost finished already, I'm probably going to take another silicon mold of that because yeah. but the, the last wax process, you obviously you lose that investment. You then have to coat it all in um, like plaster of Paris and right. basically bake it out in an oven. So it just completely fucking destroys the the investment. It just goes, disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so if you fuck it up or the, 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 the bronze casting doesn't go very well, you don't have to sit there and fucking carve it all out again. No, do you shit. I've got the um, silicon moulds of uh, what I'm trying to make, then mm-hmm. laugh my ass off. Yeah, that's it. You could do it. You do a shitload then, couldn't you? A lot easier. Yeah. And likewise, if you did use a three D printer, it's it's not very sort of um, an original technique because obviously it's quite well pretty new technology in the grand scheme, like this century sort of thing. But then you could be like, well, I've just set it to print out ten and just leave it going, sort of thing. So that'd be yeah, time time saving as well. I absolutely think that that's you know that there's 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 a beauty in that. I think you know. there's a there's a point i think where um tradition can become an obstacle i think Mm -hmm. that you know it's absolutely worth honoring tradition and um remembering these things because there is a lot that can be learned from it but i mean it's things like i guarantee you if you for whatever reason went back in time and you were there in the middle ages Mm -hmm. and you showed a blacksmith, a fucking, I don't know, a solar-powered art welder. Uh, at first, he'd probably, you know, call you a witch and you'd probably get burned alive for it. But once he got over <laughs> that, there's absolutely no fucking way that they would turn around and go, oh, that's cheating, you can't do it like that. You've got to do it like this. It, like the whole fucking thing that drives progress is finding better, more efficient ways of doing things. And I think that if these people had access to those things, they would absolutely use it. And... You know, I think as as, as long as uh, you're honest about what you're doing, then that can almost become like a really interesting part of your story. You know, what what yeah, you're yeah. Actually creating. Like you say, I think honesty goes a long way, doesn't it? At the end of the day, Christ, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like back in the uh, when was it now? Probably the 1600s or thereabouts. Every screw that was ever made, like for, for anything was made completely differently to every other screw that was ever made. Yeah. So if you needed a screw to replace something in, in whatever you'd got like, then you'd have to get somebody in to make you a specific screw to go in the hole that it was going into, which is obviously completely fucking mental. So until um, somebody, I don't know who it was, but somebody invented the micrometer so you could measure down to the sub-millimeter level. Like, you know, you've got proper engineers doing something. Now, you're not telling me that anybody in the right mind is going to go to the effort of making, like, an individual screw for an hole, are they? You know what I mean? You'd have to be, no. you'd have to be a fucking psychopath, you know? <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think there's definitely a limit to, um, you know, keeping it real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, with these guys that have been watching, it's like, that. as I say, this Owen Bush, he was um, creating his own uh, bloomery steel. Now, there's... It, it doesn't add any uh, sort of structural value or, or, or anything like that. If anything, the, the material itself is more of a gamble because there's un- impurities and, and things in there that aren't as good as modern engineering steels. But mm-hmm. it, it's, 
it depends on what your outcome is because the whole objective of this project that they were working was is they were trying to create artifacts for the present so it was right really really honor these old traditions and it's almost like a little bit of experimental archaeology kind of thing really and it's um uh, you know the the end result is just that i guess it's to, to look at the piece and to sort of really really consider like every facet of each detail that you can see somebody with years and years sometimes decades of knowledge as and skill as as applied each of those little things and it all of a sudden it makes this inanimate object have uh i wouldn't even necessarily say sentimental value but almost some kind of like a mystical quality because it is an absolutely unique piece and i just find that kind of thing really fascinating yeah it really brings it to life doesn't it when people have used uh, or it brings the past to life as well when people have used techniques that nobody nobody uses anymore and nobody perhaps understands because like, I, f- I think we tend to forget that you know we think oh we're the, we're the pinnacle of technology and obviously we are but at the same time like we, if you look around at a lot of um, ancient structures like you know yeah, like six and a half place, thousand years later we still don't know how the fuck they built Stonehenge. Yeah, that's literally weirdly enough. It's like, you know, fucking hell. You know, it seems dead simple now. Like, what would you use? Oh, I've got a JCB, mate. We're digging a hole, we drop a bit. You know, but like when you were back then, I would assume that they probably didn't have JCBs and such. So, what, how have they done it? You know what I mean? How have you managed to convince that many burly people to come along to, to take large lumps of stone from one area of the country, march it miles across the country, and then erect it all in a big circle. You know, and and again, it's because, about? like you say, I, I just don't think that necessarily all of the time, um, I mean, obviously the written language is really fucking useful for that because that's when you start to keep sight of things. But even so, you know, really, the Romans are the first to start really recording what stuff. That's when technically... In Britain, the Iron Age ends is sort of um, 100 B, uh, sorry, 100 CE. So current era is when right. the Iron Age ends. Now it doesn't stop. It's not like we found a new material. It's just yeah, no. that's when it it then transitions and becomes the Roman era. Because again, the Romans are really the first to start chronicling stuff, and everything's written down. But mm-hmm. even so, you know, um, underfloor heating. It's considered like a, a new marvel. It's a new tech, and everybody mm-hmm. fucking loves it. And you only really see it in more modern fans, fans houses. Yet the fucking Romans were doing it um, in you know late Iron Age Britain. Then they'd had that technology for ages, but we just fucking forget. And these, like you say, these traditions are just not followed through. These crafts are lost, and it's a mm-hmm. shame. There's so much knowledge and uh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah because i mean that there's still roman buildings around now that are made out of cement and concrete when uh, if you see pick pick a council to deride it's it's your choice i'm, I'm happy to deride any of them in the uk yeah. um, <laughs> like, like, oh, we've put up a new car park and then you see the engineers and the, and the lads are back out a couple of years later because it's fucking falling to bits yeah and you're like guys like yeah, the romans have put this back up concrete as well as the romans did the Romans, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Some there's, there's been samples of Roman concrete found that still hasn't fully set yet. It's not since it. And they, oh yeah, they, the method of making concrete that would set underwater as well. Yeah, but they reckon concrete's one of them. It just keeps getting harder. They reckon yeah. it never really goes off. It's like it's like glass never becomes fully solid. It's always um, flowing, albeit obviously very very slowly. 
Huh, didn't know, you know what I mean? So it's fucking, fucking some crazy materials about. Well, they reckon that the Romans used to use, this is hypothesised, and also I'm paraphrasing something that I heard ages ago, so definitely <laughs> don't write this down and use it in the exam or anything. <laughs> but like, uh, some youth who was into it was saying that the Romans had used um, seawater and then and then something to do with the sand as well had got a lot of shell in it. And he was saying that it formed a better crystalline structure and made it a bit more sturdy than what we use now, which is obviously Portland cement and sand. So is that, if it's true, very interesting. If it's a bollocks, well, fuck it. You've had a good story, haven't you? Yeah, but again, I think that's why there needs to be more um, experimental archaeology, people doing these mm. things and, and you know, going back to source material and looking at how stuff was done and seeing if there's things you can learn from the past that would make things better in the future. Definitely, yeah, definitely. I think people were a lot more efficient. Oh. Like, imagine if we if we could speak to um, you know, like subsistence farmers of the past, oh. uh, what what they would used to do, you know. When now it's just like, well, we just keep throwing, um, you know, like nitrogen fertilizers at it, just keep chucking yeah. inputs at it to make it grow. And then the soil degrades over time, and you end up with the American Dust Bowl, like I think we perhaps said in the past, when like proper, you know, people who used to live outside all the time would have been like. No, we don't grow that now. You know, it doesn't do yeah, no good. I, grow the right, stuff I, right. by that. I only found this out relatively recently, but like, I remember, you know, even at fucking school, um, mm-hmm. we were taught about like crop rotation and the importance of crop rotation. And I thought that, that was something that was just widely implemented, but apparently not in, especially in the States. It was, you know, like you say, it was growing corn for feeding cattle. And it's just this repetition and just trying to artificially, like you say, reintroduce supplements and nutrients into the soil that causes it to lose everything. And then it just fucks away off in the wind. Yeah, it's it's completely mental. Like yeah. there, there's, there's a number of um, scientific inventions over the years that have been credited with giving humans their you know, such a rapid rise to being, you know, top of the food chain and the fact that there's now absolutely shitloads of this. Um, Obviously, people go on about antibiotics and that sort of stuff, which, don't get me wrong, very useful. But there was a chap whose name completely escapes me, um, invented a process whereby creating artificial nitrogen fertiliser. So in the past, exactly like you've just said, you would have had to have rotated the crops in a field and you would have tried to use plants that fix nitrogen, so stuff like legumes, so peas and that sort of stuff. Because mm. if you use that, it puts the nitrogen back in the soil, something to do with microbes in its roots. Brilliant. But if you're a farmer, you don't necessarily want to do that. You want to just grow loads of corn because that's where the money is and, um, and have a simpler sequence of doing it, not having to have fallow years, so not growing anything for one year and then growing over the next couple of years sort of thing. So this guy just invented the, pro- the the process, and then it's like, oh right, we can just grow whatever we want where we want now. But as we were saying a moment ago, like you, th- then you end up with the issue that like the soil degrades over time because you keep plowing it up, and it destroys all the um, all the organic matter that's in it, and it just washes away every time it rains. So we're uh, you know we're doing ourselves a bit of a disservice really in what we're doing. So there's a, yeah. there is a movement at the moment to try and your own success. I think I've seen quite a bit about the. Um, the way that intensive farming, so I think we may have even talked about it last time. Um, mm. you, you oh, know, I think we probably did actually. Yeah, it, it definitely rings a bell. You know, yeah, I think we might have done actually. Like allowing cattle to graze naturally is quite likely to actually reverse a lot of the damage that's been done to the environment, which is again yeah, I think, fascinating. I think it's a good idea. Were we on about giving acorns to pigs? 
Was that a conversation I was having with you? Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I, I, I did end up quite drunk by the end of the last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I did chin a full bottle of uh, more wine in the space of an hour. So, mate, it's fine. That's the Christmas continuation, and let's be honest, with nothing else to do, what else are you going to do other than like game, watch a Netflix, and drink and drink booze? That's it. <laughs> so, to be fair, though, like to be fair, like, I I fucking love a beer, uh, but I've only had I, I think anyway. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to stand by this, but I'm pretty sure I've only had four small bottles of lager all year so far. I know, mate. Yeah, I know. I don't feel good for it either. So, to be fair, I've I've proper cut down as well. I don't really. It, it is rare I do drink now, and when I do, Jesus, it kicks my ass. <laughs> this is this is going to be the trouble when when the pubs reopen again in May or whenever it is. May is the rumor, by the way. Um, like we'll go, we'll go to the pub. Yeah, let's have a couple of drinks, sort of thing. I can imagine it's absolutely shit faced, like just in the road. You're out there. Listen, can you get us a taxi? I've pissed myself and I can't stand up. You know what I mean? See, that's where the real societal divide's going to come about, and it is when the pubs are. Yeah. You'll have them who have just like fucking soldiered through and really put the hours in and got some hardcore drink training done, and then those who've just gone off it, and we're going to fucking die by the wayside. Yeah, and uh, and you'll, and you'll find that everybody's completely lost their social skills, so everyone will just be outside fighting all the time. Yeah. Uh, What's that over? Well, he said he was going to the kebab house. I wanted to go instead. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just, uh, can't manage social interaction face to face. Video video call each other across the pub. Doesn't feel the same without a screen in the way. Fuck it, yeah. It's going to be so fucking weird. It is going to be weird. I'm still looking forward to it, though. Yeah. Get back in the, yeah. get back in the beer emporium Friday night. Just a couple of scoops. I'm, you know, I'm, I, 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 I don't know. I just don't want to get to that point where, you know, it feels like the novelty's worn off. I want that novelty to last for quite a while. You know, like, ooh, we're going to go out tonight. We're actually going to go and see people and no one's going to say no. It's, yes. It's, now we're talking. It's so fucking bizarre. It is, mate. It is. I'm just, I'm just thinking that with if it's going to be um, like no pubs until May, I'm thinking I might lay a patio in my back garden so that I can have people round outside. So I bet that'll be available first. Yeah. Well, yeah. You think? I think that's that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's, it the, the the shit that's like less tangible, that there isn't a price tag attached to. That's the mm-hmm. shit that they take away, and it's probably going to be one last give back as well. Maybe. I'm trying to think what, what happened last time. Was it the pubs were shut, but you could go around each other's houses? Is that what we had? They, they did that rule of six shit, didn't they, for a while? Oh yeah, that's it. And they sort of fucked that off. And then they just slowly clamp down and clamp down and clamp down on what you could do as an individual, yeah. With regards to interacting with other people, I think that's probably what spurred on a lot of your conspiracy theorists. Because it, it did look, it, it is pretty shitty, and there is definitely a big focus on taking away the civil liberties because there's no monetary attachment to that. You know, there's no price ticket. It doesn't affect like the way bills are paid and. Balance, uh, books are balanced by how many mates you can have around your house but it's just mm-hmm. a way of seemingly controlling things but uh, yeah I, 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 I was saying this to Tom on Saturday perhaps Like, I, I suspect as, as much as I also do sort of get behind conspiracy theories sometimes perhaps a bit too much to be honest <laughs> I do wonder if you know it's like no you can't be around each other's houses and stand in the garden 
is it because people take you know get given an inch and take a mile as in yeah went around the house but it was cold so we went inside or it was a bit cold and I needed a piss so I went in you know we just start to you know creep a bit further and people just don't stick to it because makes you know I can imagine a lot of people do that to be honest I, in all honesty I would say that I doubt very much that that level of thought has gone into it um I, I honestly think that it's uh, our government seems to be very, well, not very. It, it's reactive. It's not, um, you, know, you know, it's not proactive. It doesn't go. This is going to really help slow things down. This is going to oh. prevent this. It's like shit. This has happened. We must be fucking seen to do something. And like I say, that they they can't. They, they're not going to tread on anybody that necessarily matters to them by saying mm-hmm. oh, you can't do this you can't do that because they'll still fucking do it anyway they will um you know it's, it's happened time and time again you, the, the yeah news is constantly reporting on these people fucking advising you to do xyz and then they're just not they're fucking ignoring it themselves and it's a shit show mm-hmm. um and i do feel that that is what's lacking is some actual considered realistic like you know, honest adult conversations. And I think if that, you know, should be led by example, if there was more of that done, if the, the, the government had more of an open dialogue with the country and spoke to people, had it as an open discourse where, you know, there was actually a dialogue going on and people were treated as adults and it, it was run like that things may be different i think attitudes would be a lot different and i think there would be maybe over time less of this polarization that you see at the moment which is tragic yeah there's definitely a lot of that isn't there i don't think i've ever witnessed a time in my life where i've seen people so at each other's throats over such small things and usually they are small it alludes to a bigger picture but I always remember, especially growing up, you could quite often have a different set of opinions to somebody, but it was like, I might not, you know, it's the saying, isn't it? It's like, I may not disagree with you. I may not agree with you, but it doesn't mean I'm not your friend. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where real growth comes, differing ideologies and opinions and actually discussing them. And just to get somebody else's perspective, even if at the end of it you still don't agree, it's still valuable to hear that. Um, whereas now, you hear stuff you don't like, just press a button and you block the motherfucker. And you don't have to listen to it. And everybody's in their own little echo chamber where yeah. literally a big circle jerk and then it hits you like a sledgehammer in the face when you hear somebody with a, an opinion that differs from your own. You're like, how the fuck can you think like that? Everybody I know thinks like I do. Mm-hmm. How are you so different? And it's it's crept on, mate. There's definitely a bit of that. So much so that uh, people have actively sought to set up new uh, social networks, haven't they? You know, like this parlor that's been knocking about in the press. No, I've not heard about that. Uh, it's like um, an, Amer- an American one. They all are, aren't they? The social networks. Let's be honest. But this one particularly focused on freedom of speech and particularly right wing freedom of speech. So. That was apparently that was what was used to organise all all the rioting and everything that took place. You know, when when following Donald Trump's exit. Yeah, was it? I, 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 but now you said that that does ring a bell. Was that what 
was that the platform that he basically migrated to when he got banned from Twitter? Well, I, I don't necessarily think uh, Trumpo was on there, but it does seem like a lot of these people, are, you know, like the Proud Boys and people who are sort of actively and aggressively right-wing had, uh, yeah. had moved off Facebook, Twitter, etc., onto there. Because people getting banned off Reddit, weren't they? Like the Donald, which was one of the biggest subreddits, got banned. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, fuck this then. We're going to this parlour. Moved over onto that. But as part of uh, being, a, being a member there, apparently you had to put in your social security number and everything. So... It was very much not anonymous, and then um, everyone's—they're all, you know—they're all rioting and fucking about in the in was it the Congress they were in, I think it was. Yeah. They're all they're all mucking about in there, breaking the law in essence, and all the photographs are geotagged, and they're all attached to each individual person, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we've all just had a good riot, broken the law and such, and we've just handed over all the information to the FBI. So wow. now, you know, all the people are getting absolutely screwed for the troubles off the back of it. That's what you call digital Darwinism. Yeah, big time. And then obviously this uh, this parlour is you know not well very much frowned upon sort of thing because it's it's got an absolute shitload of bad press around it. They're running it on Amazon Web Services, which is a, like a cloud infrastructure provider for servers and stuff. And uh, Amazon just gone, oh, we don't fucking want that on here. So they've they've pied it off as well. So they've had to move on to I think they're on Russian servers now. Oh, Christ. I know, exactly, yeah, which makes everybody naturally uncomfortable. So you've got all the, the right-wing American types on a net, on a social network that's hosted in Russia. Now, there's there's a number of things wrong with that sentence. Wow. It's fucking frightening, man, frightening. But um, fucking hell, that was a bit of a tangent, wasn't it? But, um, but yeah, people are absolutely, you know, getting more and more polarised, like you say, where, where Facebook used to be pretty bad for having little individual camps you know, all going feral and being being amongst each other and choosing a side on a topic. Like, it's getting even more than that with people leaving Facebook and going off to start another one. Now, fuck it, we'll have a different one. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was bad. I, I think I, I vaguely remember talking about it a little bit in a, in a much earlier podcast mm. about how um, I had to have a bit of... I had a conversation with myself about some of the choices that I'd made with regards to groups and joined on Facebook itself. And it was also to do with the local groups within Sandbatch, you know? Um, and it turned out that through talking through, you know, through with uh, various others of our friends that, that, that they were very aware also that there tended to be four main groups um, based around sort of the community and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the two, there, there was almost, there was a polarization between the two two sets of two groups and um, and you know some of them were very conservative and the other were very sort of le- more much more left-wing yeah big time. Um, uh, and, I, and again I, I hadn't realized that at all when I'd sort of joined these groups years ago but especially like the early stages of lockdown it's like people's feathers had gotten really really ruffled and they were really aggy and looking for people to give shit to mm-hmm. they, like uh, in one of the groups in particular, they were um, absolutely trashing those young girls that were, um, you know, trying to get heard with regards to the, the BLM movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that sort of stuff. And again, my viewpoint on that is, is you know, you may not necessarily agree with it and it is your right to, to not necessarily agree with it. But then 
you've got to ask about how you sort of conduct yourself as a, as a human being and as an adult. To, is it right to then give somebody a world of hurt because you disagree with their thing? Um, and it, it got very, very, very toxic in that group. And um, Amber said to me, you know, at one point, it's like, well, why don't you just fucking leave the group? And I, I had seriously contemplated just fucking it off um, a couple of times because, again, reading the stuff that I was reading, was it was really upsetting to think that people that live literally in the same town as myself could be so vile and toxic. Mm-hmm. But then I realised the importance of bearing witness to it because, again, I was very aware that they their, their sort of behaviour was... Uh, reinforced and fertilized by uh, this echo chamber that they created because that's very much what they do if they didn't agree with something they would either block it or um, get rid of them so you, you you are creating this almost clones of yourself with your opinion mm-hmm. uh, and it gets really dangerous so even though I wasn't enjoying the stuff that I was seeing I felt it was important to to, to, to witness it so I could maintain like a balanced overview of what the attitudes and opinions are within sort of my local area but yeah definitely it's hard work it's some days it's really upsetting like you say it's just it's just all a bit much like people should be working together a bit more really and uh, I, I strongly suspect in the past, like, like exactly like you said before, like, you know, you'd have uh, people in the pub being mates, you know, from both sides of the camp, conservative and Labour, and it wouldn't be so much falling out. Like, you'd have a disagreement of opinion, but at the end of the day, if your art's in the right place, you know, and you, you know, I think that's the main thing with being friends, isn't it? Like, you know, you've, you all share the same sort of values. Um, like, you can disagree over football teams, you can disagree, disagree over shit you see in the press, but I like, just bit too much at the minute in terms of like i think there's a directed effort by whether it's by the press whether it's by the governments themselves just to try and force people into camps like oh no you can't sit on the fence you know you've got to, you've got to pick up you've got to pick a side you know what you're doing you've got to pick a side yeah i agree that 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 is 100 happening but again i think that there's there's too much power being given there to um a sort of government body or or necessarily a media outlet. I don't think that there's an intelligence behind it that's driving it. I mm-hmm. think it's a very toxic byproduct. I think it's not dissimilar to, like you say, the chap that invented the artificial fertilizer. He didn't go, yeah. I'm going to do this, and then that's going to lower the land value of this in this amount of time. And da, 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 da. There was no master plan to what happened. Um, he literally saw an avenue and took it, and then there was consequences to that. And yeah, I think yeah. this is um, what's happening now is we're all falling prey to an easy lifestyle because we're handing off more and more and more to algorithms and targeted advertising and um, frictionless services that are provided. And the way that those work is obviously by gathering data on you as an individual. And they, those algorithms will automatically sort of uh, pigeonhole and profile you as an individual so that they can learn how better to provide for you and to sell to you. So it's not all malevolent, the the process behind it, the thought process behind it is, is to effectively try and create a service that serves you better. 
Mm-hmm. It's creating monsters because it, it it's uh, everything is targeted now because it's all based on um, sales and, and and the thing with the biggest value is your time in front of a screen. Mm-hmm. Exactly like you say, like just um, ev- everything has got something behind it to serve to you an individual advert based on other stuff that you've looked at and based on algorithms that make it more likely that you'll go and buy whatever it is that they're selling or make you go and do whatever it is that somebody wants you to do. Yeah. It's, um, it's fucking frightening, really. I mean, it's, it goes back to like, um, what, what's that film, 1984? Mm. Uh, no, uh, eight, fuck, it's not 1984. Oh, it's 1984, yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, it, it all goes back to that, and it's like, it's very reminiscent. You know, I can understand why people start thinking about conspiracy theories and stuff. But as you say, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's directed to try and, you know, deliberately form a, a, a dystopian state. Just no. that, um, just it, it's just I think how, that, how that's are. one of the that's one of the big issues with trying to uh, overcome that inertia to get change where that's sort of concerned because it's very very easy to um, digest all of that sort of stuff if it plays out in like the narrative structure to a film or a book you've got if there's a there's a there's a villain if there's a a character that all this shit can be hung on then mm-hmm. equally with that thing coming into existence comes hope because if you can overcome this villain eventually one day that then becomes the quest and once the quest is complete then equilibrium is restored to the land However, there isn't a evil consortium of 12 people (laughs) trying to enslave the world when it turns out that actually the villain in this story is my idleness. It's my desire to have this easy, easy lifestyle where I don't have to Mm -hmm. think about this, where it's too much to even go online and look for something that I want. I need to have this shit drip fed so I can press a button on my phone and speak into it and or not even press a button, just talk to somebody about something and then the next thing you know, there'll be fucking adverts for it on Facebook. You know, that's that's a society we, we've all inadvertently signed up for. Yeah, yeah. Very difficult to get out of it now as well. I mean, it was, it was kind of always going to go this way, wasn't it? Because people have always come up with new bits of tech or new ways of doing stuff to make life a bit easier. And this, you know, we've invented machines to do everything, washing machine, dryer, dishwasher, all that kind of thing. So you don't have to do none of that. So this kind of feels like the next step, really, having to, you know, saving you from having to do too much thinking. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll do a bit of that for you. And as you say, you start to rely on it. And, you know, where does it it stop? Yeah. There's the the boiling of the frog. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, that is. Like, you know, um, Elon Musk obviously owns Tesla, doesn't he? But he's yeah. got another thing as well, the uh, the neural link, whereby, I don't know how far along they are technology-wise, but the, the aim of the game is to be able to connect your brain up to the internet, basically speaking, so that you can, uh, well, pr- presumably enhance yourself and so that you can interact with the digital world. Now, that makes me super uncomfortable, that does. That's that he's a driving force behind that. I mean, he's a bit of a dichotomy, is, like um, Elon Musk, because he's... Hmm. He, like majorly philanthropist, isn't he? I mean, he's been often been described as like the closest thing we actually have to Tony Stark. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. yeah. And 
good line. And he's constantly giving warnings about um, AI and the dangers of AI and how that can actually get out of hand quite quickly. And then, like you say, he's basically trying to, you know, they're spearheading something that's working, something that connects directly to the brain. Fuck, that's... Wow, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, a very basic level. We've got we've got um, kit now whereby, like, imagine you've lost a leg or something. So you'll have a, a bionic leg strapped on. Then they'll pop some electrodes into your brain. I make it sound very simple, by the way, when you say it like that. Pop some electrodes into your, into your brain. Then you just think about moving it up and down and stuff, and you can and you can you know control an artificial limb. Absolutely superb, you know, amazing tech and very worthwhile. But like the next level, can you imagine just like. Yeah, I was just sat there and I was thinking about Domino's. I was sort of gasping for a for a cheeky margarita. Next minute, young Steve from Domino's down the road rocks up. Don't worry, we got you. We got your thought order. We brought you Domino's for you. Like that makes me super uncomfy, mate, because it's coming in it. You know, it's coming. Yeah. I, I I honestly don't think that, that is too far removed from reality. I think that, that in the not too distant future, probably frighteningly soon, that will yeah. be a thing. Or imagine, right, if you see a beautiful, ripe-looking pair of tits on the beach, right, and uh, you look at them for a second too long, and the cops arrive. Sorry, it's the thought police, like, sexually assaulted that woman, right? Minority report shit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, like, you've just, you know, uh, we saw you thinking about tits. Like, I'm so sorry, didn't mean to, but... (laughs) (laughs) But not (laughs) Oh God! Talking about that inappropriate behaviour, and uh, mm-hmm. so I've been listening to a lot of audio books lately, and uh, yeah, always had a bit of a fascination with um, like Norse mythology and all that sort of thing. So I mm-hmm. listened to a few uh, bits on like Norse mythology and that, and I'm like, yeah, I should really sort of expand my horizons a little bit, and maybe like listen to some other uh, sort of spheres of thought and other cultures sort of origins and more more of an exercise of seeing where all of the crossover points are you know see where the common threads are because there are really really reoccurring themes through sort of ancient um polytheistic religions there's there's Mm -hmm. a lot of crossover and there's bits that are almost interchangeable and then um so i've got one that was it's got um norse mythology uh, Celtic mythology, which I was really disappointed with because it didn't really focus on any of that. It was just some weird folklore stories all about some... Uh, it was just a bit shit, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Not very interesting. Um, it was probably just not a great book, but um, then there was... Um, not got to Chinese mythology yet, but there was a section on Japanese. Um, I'm on Hindu at the moment. Um, right, okay. But uh, the Greek mythology... Oh my God, that their gods were uh, gross. They just be raping, like yeah. constantly. Like basically, all of their heroes in in their their mythology are <coughs> effectively rape babies. Jesus Christ! It's it's really dark. Um, yeah. So if you you want you want to listen to something disturbing, get an audio book on Greek mythology. It's it's horrendous. Yeah, like you say, weirdly enough, Han was on about uh, once you've been listening to another audiobook, and again, it was based somewhat on Greek mythology. But I think this one was a mix between um, a contemporarily written 
fiction with Greek myths and such, if that makes sense. Right. So re- reimagined stories, basically. A bit like American Gods. Yeah, that sort of idea. Um, but but set in Greek myth- mythological times. So right. yeah, yeah. Right, that sort of jobby. And like you say, they're always off. Like, you know, Zeus is married to Hera, was it, or something, I think? Is that right? Yes, yeah. Something like that. So, but Zeus is also an absolute fucking machine, like always swinging his sword round, loves slaying a human maiden sort of jobby. So he's always having kids with people. And also Hera's like obviously yeah. going fucking mad. Like, and she's listen, a vindictive like, bitch about it all as well. In it and starts being vindictive, fucking people over. So but like, don't like, you, he never vents her anger at Zeus. He's no. the, like you say that he's like, Oh, I'm a growing raping. worse than the archetypal viking he's like literally just sexually assaulting anything that comes his way he's like fancy a bit of that (laughs) and then a a child happens and Hera's like ooh so you enticed my fella did you fucking (laughs) has her head off and puts a hex on some lad so his arse turns square and rots in the corners it's fucked yeah, man. Like you say, I, I don't know how much he's been lost in translation over the years, but I just think that the, the Greeks were perhaps just a bit screwy and just like absolutely obsessed with fucking an infanticide. It, it does make you wonder because what one of the sort of reoccurring themes, as it were, with any of the uh, the, the, the folklores that I've, I've listened to thus far, there always seems to be like a degree of morality or it's almost you know you find yourself listening to this stuff and it's very very fantastical and you almost wonder to yourself how much of this was actually believed as um, a religion in the context of what we think about a religion now you know where you actually that's your creed that is um, in essence what you believe you take it as read that this is factual this happened and Mm -hmm. how much of these are storytelling devices to convey lessons of morality almost like parables yeah yeah, yeah. for for the younger people um and and that seems to be a thing across a lot of them but then when you get to the greeks it's like are they trying to um sort of excuse away their own shitty behavior or something because it, it's always like well the gods are doing it so i can do it kind of well it just seems a little bit fucked up you know they end up with a load of really scared kids that don't want to go anywhere because they think a god might fall out of the clouds and rape them <laughs> or, or think well the gods do this so i'm all right to do it it's it's really crazy like you say, I, I do suspect there's quite a lot of uh, just these stories being parables, really, as in, look what will happen if you go off uh, coveting your neighbour's ox and that sort of thing. But the, the issue we've got is, like, let's be honest, like, how, how many religious texts have you read? Personally, I've read bits of the Bible over the years when I was in primary school. Mm. But that's been fucked about with so much over the years, so much it was completely rewritten. And was it, I think, was it the 1400s, 1500s, somewhere around there by, by King James? Yeah, Obviously, just King gone. James edition, but then also way, 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 way before that, mm. Believe I can't remember whether it was Constantine or, or Nero. I think it was Constantine. Right. Um, basically, heard you know the, the Romans were famous for persecuting the Christians. 
Right. Um, and then all of a sudden it becomes the um, predominant religion. And that's why you have the Holy Roman Empire. Um, right. Um, but why he basically took it upon himself to become the grand editor of the Bible. And the Bible as we know it now is the version that he'd edited down. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not very well versed on this, but is it 24 Gospels in the Bible now? It's, it, it's around that number, I believe. <laughs> uh, but originally, there was over 124 Gospels. Gotcha. He literally cherry-picked the Gospels that suited his political agenda, because by following the teachings of these Gospels, you were effectively um, capitulating to the way that he ruled, and mm -hmm. it all served his sort of purpose politically. So what is people are going to war over and, um, you know, condemning others and treating others in a really shitty way mm -hmm. is literally a... 1500 year old piece of fucking propaganda got you because when you see like um you know the, like the da vinci code type of films where they you know there's a bit of a religious aspect to it and they're always on about like these secret gospels that are hidden away in the vatican and everything aren't they yeah. and um it's one of those where it's like i'm interested i love the concept but somebody's gonna have to paraphrase it for me because i'm not reading all that shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it, it, it's something that is absolutely not unique to um, Christianity. Is, is that whole concept of um, contradictions within a, a creed as well? You see it a lot with the Norse stuff. You see it a lot in the um, uh, the, the Greeks as well. A lot of in there, um, the, the Hindu stuff. There's a lot of um, contradicting information as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's all very sort of chicken and egg kind of stuff. Um, but I think the big difference there is I think uh, going out on a limb here, uh, dicey stuff may want to get edited out, but I'm sure that Islam is similar in that it's taken as like, this is the perfect word of God. So this is to be taken as is. And that's why, why it's dangerous because it's not clear. It's not, specific it's known to be edited this is the bible i'm not saying this is the quran yeah yeah it, it's it's known it's not that that isn't like speculation it was edited and yeah, that is a known piece of information that we'll just overlook yeah, <laughs> and we'll still take this as the perfect word of the creator it's mad because like the, with the Quran, they they always reckon. I say always, like, but people I've spoken to about it who who seem to know such things reckon that the Quran's not been changed, not a single word since it was written back, you know, a couple of thousand years ago. Fair, you know, fair play to that face value. That's that's amazing. But like you say, with the Bible, it's everybody knows it's been rewritten and mucked about with. So yeah. how can you say, listen, listen, we can't have any of this gaying around? Like it says it in the Bible, when in reality, perhaps somebody just I don't know, had a bit of a bad time or whatever, you know, or somebody took offence to the concept of being homosexual and they're like, oh, I'll just stick a bit in. I've got the power to do so. I'm in charge. Every Bible from now on says that we don't have the gays. You know, it's fucking... Often a lot of the stuff that is used with that, that those sort of, when they, they, they're used to sort of galvanise a hateful message, mm. 
um, quite often, you know, they'll they'll quote it as that is how it is written, and it isn't. You can't find these things that they're quoting anywhere in those texts. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very loose interpretation of a thing. It will be a singular line or phrase that's said, and they mm-hmm. will profess it to have been something that's mandated in great detail, and it really isn't. Yeah, uh, very, very dangerous stuff. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think you're supposed to have figs, are you? I think, I think uh, Jesus didn't like figs or something, or he had, a, I don't know, there's something bad happened over figs. I can't remember what. So like from now on, nobody's having figs. But not being funny, like, but people are still eating figs, aren't they? So same, fucking same, mate. Yeah. Well, um, like um, things that are absolutely taken as red as, as being part of it. So like everybody knows about the rapture everybody thinks that you know that there'll be this event where all of the righteous are basically whipped up off the earth and they'll literally mm-hmm. leave a pile of clothing behind them and off they'll fuck to heaven just before the end of days yeah, yeah. that was something that wasn't written in until sort of the renaissance period i believe brilliant and um the, the whole concept of hell uh is a much 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 later creation again I think around the 1600s that came into play. Um, there's no mention of a fiery thing. The idea was is that there would be a limbo, but that this idea of eternal damnation is a relatively new concept as well. Fucking hell. I think people must have switched drugs halfway through. <laughs> no, no, nice mellow ones initially, and then perhaps started on the coke a bit later on, just give it a harder edge. <laughs> Guys, come on, let's just switch back to weed and fucking pills. It'll be loads better. <laughs> You're hard in my buzz, man. <laughs> it's fr- yeah, it's frightening, isn't it? I, I, I keep, th- I've, yeah, I've probably said this a fucking million times as well, but I keep thinking that I ought to sit down and read some religious texts just so I can understand it a bit better. So I can avoid just being some bellend who endlessly espouses views on something that he knows absolutely nothing about. But I'm 37 now and it's not happened yet and it seems unlikely to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> you never know you might hit like a bit of a midlife crisis and decide you need to find a fake tell you what i could do with mate if i break my foot again or, or my leg again or whatever then perhaps i'll be inclined to sit down and read such things i uh, see so, you now if you go and break your foot in the next couple of days you're going to view that as a sign from above that you <laughs> it was the baby jesus he's done it the, to me again the baby jesus is better used to say baby jesus indeed sir baby jesus indeed <laughs> uh, yeah Okay, I went for it. I went for a run last night. That's that's the second run I've been through since I don't know, probably ten years or something, perhaps give or take. And like it's it's weird. Like, you know, like I say, I broke my foot the other year, didn't I? I've been in a knobhead. And um I'm running along, you know, happy, happy days, and I get back home. And like so my good one that's not broken, like really sore, but my bad one's absolutely fine. So read into that what you want. I think you should maybe not necessarily just glaze over what happened there. I think you should enlighten uh, <laughs> your listeners as to how you broke your leg. Well, I think a lot of the problem stems from the fact that I am an absolute fucking nightmare when I've had a drink sometimes, like, <laughs> particularly if I've been drinking all day like I had. I was on the Isle of Man with my brother and my dad just uh, sampling the TT races about, I think it must have been, was it two years ago? or well, coming up to three, something like that anyway. So if it was two because then Charlie... Fucked it. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, because then Charlie fucked it as well, didn't he? He decided he wanted a mega leg as well because he had a mega leg not long after yours. 
Oh, I thought there was a. I thought there was two years in between. I, I think we might be coming up to three years, mate. To be honest. Oh yeah, we have been in lockdown for a year, haven't we? The last year. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think we're coming up to three years anyway. Like not too not too uh, far off. So we've been out all day on on the Sunday. Like they refer to Sunday on the Alaman for the TT racing as uh, Mad Sunday, but for a couple of reasons. There's no racing, so everyone goes out all day and gets pissed. Fantastic. And the other reason is the uh, they open the roads on a one-way basis so that you can ride round and experience a little bit what it's like to race around the track because obviously the track's literally the roads that are there and like, as an, an idea of the safety precautions they have. You'll have a, a great big cast iron letterbox like the big red buggers and uh, just to make it absolutely safe for people who are coming towards it at 200 mile an hour, they'll just strap a bale of hay to it. Like, there we go. That'll keep you safe. Don't worry about it. If you hit that, no matter now. So the course is... A bit, a bit sketchy. Let's be honest; like it's fucking dangerous. Um, so people get up in the morning, nice and early. Roads are open. There's, you know, pretty quiet, and they drive around it as fast as they fucking can, like, and try and get in an actual lap. Consequently, Mad Sunday has regrettably um, taken quite a few lives over the years. So, yeah. but there's a, but there's a, there's a general air of, you know, exuberant blokes who've had too much to drink on the island. So. We've, uh, I've been out all day with my dad and my brother, so we've we've put quite a few beers away, sort of jobby. We've done a few of the touristy things. We've watched a stunt show, all that kind of thing, you know, just chatting shit in a crowd of people. Been a great day out. Dad says, right, it's knocking on, get home to bed. So we shoot off back to the campsite, stay out for a few more hours with my brother, you know, and obviously you want to go from pissed to really pissed, don't you? So I've, ma- I've managed it. And we're walking back, popped into backers and had a coffee. Now, the cops on the island, they're dead nice because they know that everyone's there, spend a few quid, everyone's in a good mood, there's never any bother in that. But if you break the rules, like stepping on the track when the racing's on, you go in prison, there's no there's no two ways. They'll literally take you back to England and put you in a Liverpool in jail for the night for a couple of days sort of jobby. And if you start pissing in the street or anything like that, again, like you're having a word and you're going back to England. So I'm like, well, I'm gasping for a week, so I'm not going to get arrested or anything. So I've gone, I'll just jump over this wall, no probs. So hops up on the wall, and I looked, and I thought, oh, it's a bit further down than I perhaps thought. But being drunk, I'm like, I'm young, I'm athletic, when in reality, at the time, I was about 35 and quite fat. So I've jumped over the wall, landed like a paraplegic donkey, and uh, regrettably snapped a bone in my ankle, and also partially ruptured my Achilles as well. So I ended up with a, with a fucking cast on it for 12 weeks or thereabouts, hobbling around on crutches. Like an absolute bellend. So that what was it. Uh, all for the sake of going for a piss. I completely wish I held it in. You just do the piss in your pants. Mate, it would have been a lot easier just to wet myself. You're absolutely right. <laughs> fucking murder, to be honest. Like going around with a cast on for weeks on end, weeks and weeks. Complete uh-huh. ball ache. And uh, where, where we were, like in this campsite, it's a, it's a rugby club. So they put these portal cabiny things in so you can go for a shower and everything. But up them, like there's no handrails and there's about four steps. Now, like, obviously, I'm brand new to crutches at the time. Like, I'd been in the hospital on the Isle of Man and they're like, oh, no, 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 don't worry, you don't need a cast. It'll be all right, that will. I was like, Are you sure? Because it's like it's gone black. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, don't worry, it's fine. So I'm hopping around. I'm like, well, I'm not going up these stairs because I'm going to fall down and break my fucking neck, aren't I? So consequently, I've not had a shower for about a week. So and as it's blazing up sun, I'm out having a few beers every day and generally being a scumbag. When I eventually get back home to England, like I get in the house and the wife's like, listen, you're going fucking nowhere other than the bath. 
because like I must have smelled like a tramp who'd been stewing in his own juices for a week. It must have been rotten, <laughs> rotten. So then I'm sat like working at me at the at my dining room table at the time for like I say about about twelve weeks. Like couldn't hardly move. Just sat, fucking joke. So I, I'm trying to steer clear of doing myself another mischief if I can. Yeah, that would be advisable. Fucking what a knobhead. But there you go. It's longer to heal as you get older as well, doesn't it? You know, if I do another one, I'm getting divorced probably as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last night now, like it's, it's it's quite a funny story to tell, isn't it? So, but honestly, I, I had a real good day out as well. It was I had a cracking day out, but fucking hell, it was, it was ever so painful when I did it as well. It must have been bad if you'd have felt it. It's one of them, isn't it? When you when you've had a skin full, you just don't feel pain the same. No, mate. Well, that's it. Like I was, I was, I landed in these brambles on the other side of this wall. Like I say. And my brother, obviously being my brother, like, leans over the wall, pissing himself, because, well, you would, wouldn't you? Like, ah, oh, dickhead, etc. I said to him, mate, you're going to have to jump over. He's like, why? What's up? He says, just broke my fucking leg. So, and uh, he had to give us a, an arm back to the tent. And I was laying in bed. You know, when you're shaking, because you've done yourself a mischief, so the adrenaline's going. <laughs> and, uh, I, was, I woke up in the morning, like I say, and it was fucking black, like a little bowling ball with little little fat toes poking out the end. So I was like, <laughs> I looked up, I was like, I think that's fucking broke. The old man looks up and says, fucking broke that is. I was like, yeah, you're right. You're lucky that your dad been there as well, that he didn't just like shoot you in the head. Yeah, I've been put down. Yeah. He is prone to that, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> the final solution. Oh, God. Oh, I've seen a lot of that lately as well, not final solution, but... Um, probably, probably a good thing. A lot, a lot of people taking the, the, the dogs out um, and just letting them fucking run rampant. Um, Cheshire police keep putting stuff up about like showing pictures of dogs that have basically had the brains blown out by farmers because um, they, they've been fucking people have been letting the dogs run wild and sheep worrying. It's nuts, isn't it? It's just ah. it, there's, there's a mega simple solution that is put your dog in a lead, then it yeah. won't get hurt. Yeah, that's it. That's the long yeah. and the short of it. Like the absolute uproar and the the outrage that people have. Because somebody's dog's been killed, and it's like, well, it's interesting because you're an animal lover, but you're putting that one animal that could have been controlled, and this whole thing could have been averted, well-being above all these other animals that will, like, not survive as a consequence. People it's, are weird. It's revolting. People people don't understand, do they? That like sheep are animals. You know, they don't, they don't deserve to be mistreated. No. So just. Like, you know, look after your animal so it doesn't go and hurt something else. Because yeah. uh, I don't care how um, how well behaved Mister Scruffy or whatever you want to say is. Like you know, what, they've still got a prey drive, haven't they? Dogs. Damn straight, yeah. As soon as it's like something's ticked over in its brain in the in the uh, the ancient side of it, like I just want to chase him. Like I'm going to. So then they start chasing him, and like even if they don't bite him, th- this time of year all the sheep are pregnant, pretty much. And that's really like, don't they? Oh. And like, if you chase them enough, like running around and that, or you know, running with the fence post and all that sort of thing, like they literally abort, you know. So they end up with a field full of abortions. It's fucking yeah. horrible. So yeah, very very upsetting shit. But again, all, all the Karens giving it the big in about how ruthless these farmers are because doing it. <laughs> well, I know, mate. I know. Like we probably said before, my old man shot a few over the years. It's just. Uh, just kind of part and parcel of it, unfortunately. Yeah. 
I had been thinking people have been better behaved in recent years because you hadn't really heard much about it. But with everyone being locked in the house and having nothing to do other than walk the dog that they've recently got, and now they're obviously a doggy person, like they go out walking him. Obviously, don't understand the rules of like keeping them on the lead, and we end up with these unfortunate situations, don't we? Yeah, and it, my sister was telling me the other day that apparently it's um, been a bit of a problem. Uh, folk basically going, "Oh, well, I'm in lockdown." Uh, I need something to do. So they get a dog. Mm-hmm. And then when the lockdown got lifted, and obviously now, you know, there's a lot more people that are considered as key workers and there's, there's a lot more industry open than was before. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those people who were locked down last time aren't locked down now and they've still got this fucking dog. So the, yeah. the animal shelters are absolutely inundated with um, young dogs that just aren't wanted anymore because people fucked up and made the wrong call. I must admit, I've seen that in the press as well. Like, just loads of people spent a shitload of money on some sort of puppy of some kind, and then like just just can't look after it, sort of thing. Don't know, you know what I mean? Like, completely misjudge the situation. Like, just weirdly seems to have assumed that they'll never go back to the office or what have you. When clearly that's not fucking true. So, yeah, I bet I bet there is loads of dogs knocking about now. Bonkers. It is, mate. But the other thing as well, like, you know, it's not everybody who knows how to look after a dog, is it? You know, you know, to train it and make it behave properly and all that sort of stuff. So I'd imagine the ones that are going into like, um, I need to say care homes then, fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> going into the, into the dog, dog pounds and that. They're probably poorly socialised and behave like a bunch of bellends as well. So yeah. that'll make them even more difficult to get rid of. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, we, we've had um, several conversations about that because I know Amber really wants a dog and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm genuinely not adverse to the idea, but um, we, we've sort of discussed it at length, and we've we've said you know with her still sort of finishing up her final year at uni and yeah. self trying to get my business running smoothly and everything that mm-hmm. just not a good time. Like once she sort of qualified and can spend more time at home continuously, because obviously now is an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, once you sort of got her own practice and whatnot, then yeah, it'll probably be something we should look at then. But for the time being, it's absolutely a piss poor idea. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. It's not. It's not like you can take it into the shop, is it? Fuck no. You know what I mean? Imagine that. I have seen that done though. Have you? Yeah. Make me uncomfortable. Either, but I'm not a big dog fan, am I? I suppose. Um, but like, imagine that. Like, oh yeah, I'm just going to do a bit of work on your shoulder, sort of thing. Little scruffy's over. Don't worry, his spit's antiseptic. Don't worry about him licking you. Uh, yeah. I'm worried. I'm worried about it. Yeah, it, to be honest, it did jar me at the time. I was like, I'm pretty sure that that breaches various, you know, health and hygiene laws. But yeah, yeah, I'm pretty you know, I, you know, I was just the apprentice at the time, so. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, that sounds rotten. It's not It's not my cup of tea. It's like if I went into the hospital for an, for an art operation or something, yeah, yeah, here's the here's the ward cat. Like, yeah. just hang on a second. There's something, something a bit awry with what you've just said there, mate. I'm not into it. <laughs> but like, they did used to have hospital cats in that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's been, I mean, with uh, care homes and whatnot, there's been loads of research done that says that, you know, like uh, cats and dogs and so on and so forth, make really, really, really good companions for folk who are in those sort of, well, I don't know if institute's the right word, but um, they work wonders for mental health. But right, got you. Like, you're not in a sort of surgical environment there, are you? So, 
No, that's it, mate. Uh, to be fair, like, one of my one of my nans, she's ninety six now. She's you know pretty fucking ancient. Like she's not she's not very well, bless her. But um, like my auntie takes my dad's dog round. It's a little Jack Russell. Again, if we mentioned it before, it's an absolute bellend, and um, takes it round. And she fucking loves the dog. You know what I mean? She gives her a bit of something to muck about with. You know, just engages engages her a little bit, sort of thing. So I can, I can definitely see. That um, you know, a bit of an animal would definitely help. You know, like, like an old people's ward, that sort of thing. I think that's a good idea. I think it's just got, just got to pick the right right locale, haven't you, in the right role? Absolutely. So, right, should we uh, should we wrap this bad boy up? Because I'll be honest with you, I'm absolutely starving. Same. I need to go get cooking. <laughs> <laughs> like with a bit of luck, there's some uh, lamb curry downstairs with my name on it. Oh. I know, yeah, hopefully so. Anyway, right, let's wrap this bitch up. Got anything else you want to add, John? Pardon? Do you got anything else you want to add? Uh, no, nothing that I can't say for next time. Fantastic. Let's ration it. There's nothing to talk about. Ration it. I like yeah. it. <laughs> <Shall> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll see you next time. See you later.